Hey everybody, it's a hot Saturday in August, and here in California, things are not good. My state, to put it succinctly, is on fire. The sun is red. The air is thick with smoke. The heat is the kind of heat that will choke you no matter where you turn. Oh, and there's a pandemic. And it's a tense political time. And we're in the middle of a long overdue conversation about race. It's been quite a summer. Now look, here at the podcast, we drop episodes on Wednesdays, and every now and then, I'll throw in a Friday surprise. So you're probably wondering, what am I doing here in the Stereo Embers studios on a Saturday? Well, I'm glad you asked. This one is kind of a pressing matter, so I wanted to get the episode out to you as fast as possible. And uh, to do that, I had to cancel all of my social engagements, which during a pandemic really amount to, well, nothing, because there are no engagements. But on a serious note, I wanted to get this show posted today, now, because it really is pressing. It's very important, and it affects thousands of lives of working actors. Now, I'm going to let my guests explain what's going on, because they can do it better than I can. But trust me, when this podcast is over, you'll understand, and you'll want to spring into action, and you're going to fall in love with my two guests. So who are they? Well, they're actors R.J. Smith and Michael Charles Roman. A little background on these guys. You've seen them everywhere. Trust me. R.J. Smith has been acting since the early 90s. He's appeared in movies like The Day After Tomorrow with Jake Gyllenhaal and Be Kind Rewind with Jack Black and Most Def. On television, he was the lead in The Journey of Alan Strange, and he played Max on the TNT series Perception. He's also appeared on 24, The Bernie Mac Show, Malcolm in the Middle, and NYPD Blue. Meanwhile, Michael Charles Roman, who, I should add, is my best pal, is someone I've wanted on the show since we started this thing. We talk every single day. And it would have been very easy to just mic some of those calls, but we've just never done it. So we're doing it now. Also acting since the early 90s, Michael has been in movies like Keeping the Faith with Ben Stiller and Ed Norton and Little Nicky with Adam Sandler. Aside from being on shows like The Good Wife, Veronica Mars, Spin City, and Becker, most recently you've seen him in his recurring role on Netflix's Grace and Frankie with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. All right, without further ado, let's get to what's going on with R.J. Smith and Michael Charles Roman, right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. You're a father, and uh, Mick, you'll be a father, and I just bought my first bottle of Aveda shampoo. Ooh. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot going on over here. Who wrote that joke? I just, Who I wrote that? The ghost, the ghost of Rodney Dangerfield? That was great. Oh, I just have to make, I just have to let it be known. Yes. Al, I've known about you, and you've Forever. known about me for 10 years. Yes. Yeah. That's right. This is the first time we've spoken or seen each other. That's right. Isn't that remarkable? Yeah, because I think that we, like, Mick always talks about you, and uh, I always and hear what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is very, this is very cool. Um, and RJ, it's so crazy. I mean, Al and I almost talk every day, and oh. we never FaceTime. Never. No. Never once. From day one, you, I mean, back in Connecticut, you told me about Al. You yeah. You were my buddy Al Green. I was like, Al Green, I was like, his name is really Al Green? Yeah. <laughs> That's and he's also a reverend. I'm sorry, he, I'm sorry, he's a reverend. He's a reverend. A reverend. Yes. Reverend. That's yes. right. And this is a this is a referendum on jokes. <laughs> um, exactly. I want to hear from you guys how your relationship, like how you know each other, and then we'll get into what's going on with what's happening. So where did the lead? RJ, do you want me to take the lead or do you want to take the lead? You know I want you to take the lead. So fabulous. Um, all right. So how take it away. we take it away. How we well look it. It was a, uh, it was a, it was one of those picturesque dark night. It was, it was one of those kind of Hall of Fame Connecticut nights, and uh, no, it was funny. We we met uh, R.J. 
was the lead in this uh, wonderful independent feature we did that uh, the great, brilliant uh, Rob Burnett of Letterman and Ed Fame and his uh, former writing partner, the equally brilliant and wonderful John Beckerman uh, wrote, uh, co-wrote together and uh, Rob directed. We got this, this film called, uh, we made this movie and RJ was the lead and I was uh, his number two. And uh, yeah. Rob had the brilliant foresight to get us all together uh, to meet a week prior. It was, a, it was a, an ensemble cast and we were all high school best friends. There was, you know, six of us. And uh, we all went out to uh, Rob's house in Connecticut uh, a week before we started filming and RJ flew in the night that we all got there. He came in kind of late. He had gotten off this flight and, and I'll never forget it. We were all kind of hanging out in, in, Rob, the in, in the foyer <laughs> and the, the door opens and and there's rj and we're all excited to to meet number one on the call sheet and here he is and he just you know he, he journeyed from los angeles and in walks this this lovely man and and he says a, a very heartfelt goodbye to rj and he throws his arms around rj and it's this just lovely and i'm like wow that's so nice he had a friend locally and he drove him and and the, the man closes the door and I was like, oh, did your friend, your friend's not staying here? You, who is your friend? He goes, no, no, that was the, that was the driver. That was the driver that, you know, that, that Rob, they had set up for us to, you know, I had a, I had a pickup, a courtesy pickup at the airport that just embodies who RJ is that, that he met this lovely man who had picked him up at the airport. And by the end of it, they had exchanged numbers and hugs and, uh, and then now, and I think, I think he also is, is godfather to RJ's uh, daughter. No, I'm kidding. All right. So no, so that's how we met. And then it, it was just that week of, of getting to know each other that RJ and I, it was immediate that oh, we just uh, had such a great kinship. Instantaneous. Um, I mean, it was, and I'll never forget that day because it was like, you know, the arrival of baby Jesus. And they were all just standing there. We were. We were anxiously just, waiting. And so I'm, I'm like, hey. But before I could, you know, address myself to them, I had to address myself to the gentleman who had just drove me, who I absolutely had a fantastic conversation with from the airport. I think the the, the ride might have been 45 minutes, no yeah. more than an hour. Yeah. But you can do so much in 60 minutes. And so, I mean, we were just talking and probably like 10 minutes in, he was just like, just started telling me about his life. And I was like, man, you know, started speaking about my spirituality and how, uh, you know, I'd be praying for him and just how, you know, just my life story. This, so was, really this, was, the, this was the start of Collateral 2, not starring Tom Cruise. Not starring Tom Cruise, yes. Not yeah. starring. <laughs> but there's, a, there's a, a romantic idea that people like me who are not in the industry have that, that Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise our friends after the movie's over that sure. th that the cast literally wraps the movie and then they all still hang out for 25 more years um the fact that you guys stayed in touch and became your friendship deepened that you're very very close that's not really typical though is it of no it's not God, let me take this one it's not yeah. it's, it's absolutely not um it's one of those anomaly type moments where you just say okay this 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 breaks the stereotype this breaks the tradition um, traditional in the traditional sense, you go to work, you go home, you do your job and you bounce. And I think it's an, it's a testament when you can come across someone in the industry where you go, Whoa, I like you. But not only do I like you, like I want to spend time with you after this project. Mm -hmm. And that's what Michael and I, that's what we have accomplished because of the other cast members. I, we don't, I don't see, I don't keep in contact to that degree. If I see them, it's nothing but love. It's wonderful. You know, it's complete benevolence. But I don't put it this way. Michael and, and his wife, Emily, are the godparents to my son. So let that speak volumes. You know what I'm saying? So those moments and those, uh, those relationships that you find, and I have similar relationships, but not many. Like, I have right. similar moments in my 26 years of being in this industry where I can say, oh, yeah, I have another good friend, and we met through the business, and we've stayed close. But that probably covers maybe 
a small percentage of my career experiences, you know, like I've met so many people in this business and yeah, that does not happen often. Where after, after once they say cut and wrap, where you actually still maintain a relationship. I think rare. also, the, the, and, and to RJ's point, I think this was such a unique production in that way that, you know, we were kind of, we, we all stayed at this adorable little Holiday Inn in the middle oh, of man. Shelton, Connecticut. <laughs> and we were there, it was like going to camp for two months in the dead of summer. And uh, I, I, I auditioned for the film a month after my mother had passed. And so th this was like such a beautiful attention averter. And I became extremely close with Rob and his family and RJ. And it says so much that of those, in those two months, we all got so close and had such a genuine bond. Mm -hmm. And it's just strengthened in the past decade, which is just remarkable. I mean, we, we were just kind of marveling at that the other day that it's been it's 10 been years, years and counting. It's incredible. Awesome. Yeah, and sometimes when they, when they get like the cast of Clueless together and they haven't <laughs> seen each other, there is a synergy that they can sort of call back from that initial bonding experience of shooting this thing together. And Absolutely. I, I, but I think a lot of that too stems from the bond that they had to create through their characters. I think sometimes it's easy to go back to, oh yeah, we were this, we played this role with each other. And so it's, it's natural and more organic, I think, to feel a connection that way. Right. Because I know, I know people I haven't seen in years, but you know, important case, uh, I ran into Jake Gyllenhaal uh, a couple years ago, and I hadn't seen him probably since we filmed The Day After Tomorrow. And when I saw him, I mean, immediately he was like, oh my gosh, RJ. And the individual he was with, he said, this is RJ. We worked on The Day After Tomorrow together. So, right. and, and autom automatically you just kind of go back to the characters we were playing. We had a good time, but immediately it's that. Mm. If I hadn't seen Michael in years, the first thing I'm gonna say is, oh my gosh, this is my, one of my best friends, Michael Roman, godfather to my son. And then add on, by the way, we did a movie together some sure. years ago. You know, so a lot of times that immediate connection you see is just because, you know, the work chemistry. Yeah, it, it is interesting though to, I mean, it, it's a testament to, this isn't to toot actors as a whole or collective horn, but it does say a lot that when you get these jobs, especially when you get little guest starring roles uh, or recurring parts where there's already an established cast and you kind of have to just walk in day one, assimilate naturally, and then just tap into something organically or, or otherwise that you had to find that synergy. You had to force that synergy and, and, and it better be there between action and cut, because if not, that authenticity, it, it, it's not gonna be there and it's gonna show up on film. Um, but behind the scenes, no, to, to, to kind of, to button, uh, no, it rarely happens, which is really remarkable because there is such a bonding experience and you're spending these 14 hour days together and you have dinner, especially on an independent film. You know, oh, it's yeah. a small crew, small cast, you do dinners together, you're at the same hotel together. Mm -hmm. um, you would think sometimes that, that you, it would, the relationships would last afterwards, but sometimes they just don't. And it's nothing about having ill will towards anybody. It's just that you move on to the next project and have to kind of restart the bonding with a whole set of other people. Yeah, and also, isn't there something about the fact that you guys have been in the business pretty much from the, the same duration? I mean, like age yeah. five or six, um, you guys really have a very similar experience in terms of being you know, young children mm -hmm. and being in this and now and growing up in this industry. Um, that's something that you guys can both relate to, which is very unique. Um, not everyone can relate to something like that. Nope. Uh, I mean, Michael and I constantly are, are having, you know, pension conversations. Uh, yeah, sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. The direction of our health coverage conversations. Yeah. Um, and we've been, you know, we've had that type of dialogue from day one because We've, had, we've been in the industry for so long, but not only just being in the industry for a long, you know, a, 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 a certain duration of time, but it's the experiences we've had in that duration of time where we're working actors. It's not just, oh, I've, you know, I've been an actor for 20 years and it's like, okay, well, have you done anything? Have you really, have you seen how the industry has changed? Michael and I are very much so witnesses of how things were from the 90s to the early 2000s to today, 2020. 
we can give you, you know, point case examples of how things have changed. When I got into the industry in 1993, I, I was nine. I got into the union the following year at the age of 10. To get into the union was like 1100 bucks. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Like yeah. triple that now. It's triple that now. Right. Just to get in, your initiation fee is triple that now. So I'm a witness to a lot has shifted in our industry, some positive, some negative. Uh, and so we can have that dialogue very, you know, fun, natural, and just kind of organic conversation because I'm not having to explain certain basic industry, you know, rules or experiences and vice versa. We just can kind of just off the cuff, like, oh my gosh, you know, I hope per diem is great. And, you know, now the one of us is going, well, what's per diem? <laughs> you know, right, right. like, well, you know, we can even talk about, hey, man, I remember when per diem used to be this amount and then it got shifted to this. So RJ and I can also talk about, again, when we came in, we, we both, I joined the union in 93. So we, we literally started almost the exact same time mm -hmm. <clears throat> that, you know, in that time, you know, television was such a a bastion for blue collar mm. actors. That yeah. was a, a launching pad. That was a starting point. Film and television did not go hand in hand. And, you know, th there were fewer channels and there was longer, there were longer attention spans. So when you booked a commercial, for example, back then, you know, you did one commercial and you could make 40, 50, $60,000 because that commercial would run in major markets uh, for a year. And now you're lucky if you got a commercial now, they almost exclusively run on cable. They can run up to like a couple thousand times and you're only going to make about $3,000. Mm. And the cycle for a commercial is 13 weeks. Very rarely do commercials go past that 13 week cycle because there's a new product launch every 13 weeks. Mm -hmm. So we're able to kind of commiserate about this stuff, the state uh, of, of, the, the industry, uh, which we've been doing a lot recently, um, you know, guest star roles used to just be for Ugh. blue collar journeyman actors. And now, you know, uh, network shows need big names to draw more eyeballs. So they're, they're doing offer onlys. They're not even looking at, you know, the, the second tier actors for, for television roles. So it, it's definitely, there's been a seismic shift in the past couple of years, for sure. As veteran, as veteran, as young veterans, we have to, we have to work twice as hard, I believe. Yeah. Uh, just because we're working off of knowledge and experience, um, which is wisdom ultimately, but because the game has changed so much, you can't take old tactics and apply them to new rules. Um, right. So it's like, I remember when I got into the business, maybe about 10, 10 to 12 years in, my manager at the time was saying, you know, you're really going to have to start thinking about stepping up your self-tape game. I was like, I don't ever want to self-tape. I'm like, and I think at that time I might have done one. I was like, this is not, this is not the lane for me. So anybody who needs a self-tape for me is my, they should just consider me not in running, you know, not in the consideration, not in, don't even look my way if you need me to do a self-tape. That was definitely a very bougie, Sadiddy perspective, but it was for me, it was like I love the idea of being in the room with casting, with the producers, with the director, having that chemistry face to face, making the changes on the spot in the room. I love that. So a self tape was to me a very foreign approach. Now it's it's mandatory, it's the blueprint, it's the it's 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 the culture. <laughs> Like and, and, and that happened, right? And that even happened before COVID. That was yeah. even for what little I know about this, and I'm not an expert in this, but what little I know about from the casting directors' union and their perspective, that their budget has shrunk. So you know, they they get X amount of dollars to hold auditions and 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 rent these office spaces. Now they're saying, hey, we're not even going to do that. So to all the actors that we approve, that we will take the time to watch your tape that we would have normally otherwise called you in to do a pre-read to see who's gonna go through the producers. Uh, put yourself on tape, we'll watch it. And then if you're good enough, we'll hand it off to the producers and director and then maybe have you in. So- Maybe. I mean, you're right. It's a heavy maybe. <laughs> yeah. So is in the age of you know COVID-19, 
is there a new layer of tension and worry um, that you, you know, to stack on a life already filled with tension and worry because living as an artist is to live in that, in that space of where's the next job? Um, how has this impacted that emotional feeling? Oh, it's, I mean, it, it was, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to have a, a great, juicy, fun role as a character actor. It's just been the, the best role. Uh, having a supporting, recurring role on Grace and Frankie with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin on Netflix. And I was a week uh, out from going back to Los Angeles to film back-to-back -back episodes for our final season. And they shut down production middle of March. And that is for actors that's right in the peak, typically a pilot season where, where the networks, the major networks are filming the bulk of their uh, new shows to potentially set up their fall schedule. Our, sh our show got shut down. The vast majority of pilots didn't get filled. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the big, the big uh, discussion on uh, RJ uh, for, for us lately has been just about our union has moved the goalposts significantly on mm. the bulk of actors now, what they need to, to the required threshold for us to meet, uh, to get our health insurance for the following year. Mm -hmm. It's they, you know, no one knows when we're going back to work. Uh, I had a, an audition for something a couple of weeks ago for, for a, an NBC series uh, that, that's going to film in actors' homes over Zoom. I mean, it's completely, upended the industry and the biggest concern for everyone is when we go back is it safe to go back productions are slowly coming back right now um but what does it all look like we, we don't know rj you can speak to I'm, this in la i mean to have your your benefits your union benefits in jeopardy is a very um concerning and uh, unsettling feeling to have again, reverting back to the veteran, you know, 20 years plus experience that Michael and I have, when you know you've been putting in this time and this effort for so many years, and you saw, you saw the light at the end of the tunnel, you saw where you were heading, you saw the goalposts, and all of a sudden, they just say, yeah, we're going to make this even harder now. Right. So then you just say, okay, well, you know, it, it takes a little bit of life out of you because of what you've already invested, especially when you are a husband, when you're a parent, soon to be parent. You just go, okay, well, I got to really think about how I'm going to shift my approach in my career. You know, what doors am I going to open up now? What new lanes am I going to, um, you know, delve into just because I got to think even a longer game what if there is no union in five years? Mm. You know, what, what do I do now? Like, okay, what, what, have, what am I preparing myself for? So I think COVID has definitely encouraged artists like ourselves to say, okay, let me not get too comfortable. Because it's very easy to get comfortable going, oh, you know, I've been acting for 25 years. I've got a pension. I'm good. COVID has presented, you don't know if that pension is going to be there uh, when you thought it would be. Um, so I think, you know, again, the, from the human standpoint of just life survival, uh, it can be alarming from the artistic side. That's our job is to adjust to, you know, be able to be versatile. So if you say this is what acting looks like now. I, I may not like it, but I, I can I can I can swing with it. You know, I, right. I'm I'm adaptable. That's that's why they pay us what they pay us because we know how to shift things. We know how to swing our art in a manner like, hey, Michael, that line was great. Try it this way. Hey, RJ, we like the way you kind of did this, but try it this way. Okay, great. I can I I can give you an alternate. So if shooting in your house is the new alternate then so be it. I, I literally, uh, about a month ago, did a film. Uh, someone called me about an independent film. Three scenes, I had no four scenes I was in. It's all over a Zoom call. So I got to film all four scenes here uh, at the house I'm at with my in-laws. So that was great. Got paid for it. Wonderful. It was a new experience because I was directing myself. While the director was on the opposite end, he was on a Zoom call kind of reading the lines with me, 
I'm setting up the camera. I'm mm -hmm. looking at the light. I had to put on my own makeup. I was like, okay, you know, let me see. What should I do? A lot of choices that I'm used to maybe other people making, I all of a sudden had to make that decision. It was fine. Artistically, it was fine. You know, I said, okay, I can swing with this. Um, but even that shift is, is kind of like, it's, again, when you then say, well, I did all that, still not have, maybe not have a union in five years where you're like, well, it just feels exhausting. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just did all that for what? I mean, when did you first become aware that there were these sort of behind the scenes shifts with the union, with the pension? Th ahead, this, the, 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 <laughs> please, the, the health insurance uh, pandemonium and, and blind uh, siding of, of its members uh, came about a week ago. Really, I mean, for East Coasters, I'm, I'm in New York. It came for me in the dead of night. It came almost about 10 o'clock at night. There was this newsletter alert. And I saw the header on the email and I thought it, it, it pertained to health insurance. And I thought, oh, they're going to make it easier for us. They're going to lower the threshold. They're going to give <laughs> us a break. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the exact opposite. So much so, I, I actually, just for people listening, just so they, they, they get a, just here are the broad strokes. Premiums are almost doubling for, for members. The, the major increase, when you, there's a required threshold, there were, used to be anyway, there was a, a plan one and a plan two. Plan one was like $35,000. It's a fantastic health insurance, the Blue Cross Blue Shield. And with all of your works, your studio sessions, your, uh, your, your, your syndication money, your royalties, it would all go towards helping you reach that threshold. Then uh, tier two, plan two, you had to make $18,500. So now almost into the fourth quarter of the year, they've now upped that. They, they've done away with plan one. They've now made plan one and two one single plan. The threshold is now $26,000. They've eliminated the out-of-pocket maximum. And the big thing for a lot of, I mean, RJ and I were talking about this. You, they're kicking off your spouse. If your spouse has access to any uh, health insurance through their job, they're off. They're eliminating out-of-network benefits. And the big one for a lot of members is they're forcing retired actors that, that, that are 65 and older who the bulk of their income as retired actors is syndication money, any royalty money. They're saying all that money you earn from syndication, that will not go towards the bottom line in helping you qualify for health insurance. Yep. So wow. you're telling seniors, good luck. They gotta go get a job. Exactly. Yeah, right, and and right. the union, they said, okay, well, if you make $13,000 in this year when no one has been working since March and we don't know when we're going back to work. So they're essentially saying the subtext is if you didn't make at least 13000 by March in the first three months of the year, and if you didn't make $26,000, we're, we're going to give you a discounted rate on COBRA next year for a year. And then after that, who knows? And that is really startling that is really alarming and it's, it's sad, it's scary, and it's really, uh, it's given so many members whiplash mm -hmm. and uh, there's petitions been started. Anybody who's listening, there's a great petition, go to change.org, just simply search for SAG-AFTRA and there was a petition started by Melanie Brooke and Daryl Anderson. It has over 15,000 signatures. We, we, we need the union executives to hear a, a, a loud voice and, and we really need some relief in, in this, uh, extraordinary time, especially during this pandemic when health insurance is, is necessary and, and essential for all of us. When they made these rulings, when they made these changes, they knew they were effectively, like, let's just stick with seniors. They were screwing senior actors. Um, basically, like RJ was saying, either get a job or use the money you're getting from syndication, which probably isn't a ton, um, to pay for your own health insurance, which can be incredibly costly. Um, you know, when you're over 65, your medical needs certainly shift. Um, so how was this able to go into effect so quietly and so swiftly? Ultimately, that's what we're still trying to figure out. You know, um, the jury isn't out yet on that one. Uh, we, we're trying to understand how something of such magnitude 
could take place, you know, uh, in, in the middle of the night. And, and me being here on the West Coast, Michael actually sent me the info and my father-in-law sent it to me as well. He's here obviously in California, but they both sent it to me. Uh, and same surprise, same shock on my end, like, wait a minute, this is not what I thought it was going to be based on the header. I thought it was gonna be a positive and ended up being a negative. Um, what took place just feels illegal. Um, but what I gathered from the uh, Zoom call yesterday, they had a, the, the, the board um, uh, did another uh, third run at one of their kind of interactive chats about why these changes were going to benefit all of us in the at the end of you know everything one thing uh and i'm not going to put on blast who said what just because but one of the board members basically admitted they said 10 percent of our members are basically going to disappear uh in the sense of they won't have coverage they won't be able to maintain the qualifications to receive the benefits uh they they just won't meet uh, the standards and the goals um, of, of our new union rules and continue to just say it's sad, but in the words of our president, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. so I'm just listening like, wow, okay, well, it's, it's nice for someone like myself and even Michael to say, yeah, you know, okay, we're doing fairly well to maintain our benefits and, 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 and stay, I feel pretty you know, lucrative in the business to where we can keep doing what we're doing and, and, and maintain our benefits. Um, but my heart goes out to those who cannot. Uh, and so I can truly say Michael and I are, are not just fighting for ourselves because we're, you know, again, we still have our benefits, but we're fighting for those who clearly starting next year just don't have a, a chance at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, RJ and I were on a town hall with the opposition leaders and, and the opposition leaders are actually the heads of the LA local union who had no idea this was happening. This was voted on by a board of trustees who then had their own board uh, mm -hmm. that they handpicked that we the union yeah, don't have don't any say <laughs> who they vote in. And they had uh, the, the LA local had no idea that this was coming down the pipeline. They knew that the plan was in some dire straits because of rising healthcare costs, but this was not voted on by, mm -hmm. by the union members of which we're 145,000 strong. And the other, you know, we, we heard case after case, this was a listening uh, session and we were hearing from so many actors new to the business or uh, one, one that RJ and I called each other after we couldn't believe it, you know, talking about uh, stunt people, literally putting their lives on the line for us actors. Mm. And they said the, the vast majority of the physicians, the doctors, the experts, the specialists that we see, unfortunately, are out of network. Now you're saying that there is no cap on the out of network. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I mean, these people are going to go broke. They're going to go broke. And, and, and it's really upsetting. Then there was another, uh, a, a lovely actor who came on, he was a background actor. And he said, you know, the, the threshold for us, we have to work 81 days as extras background actors. They, they, they just changed it to a hundred days. There's been no work since March. There might not be any work through the, through the new year. There's absolutely no way these people are going to be able to hit the qualifying threshold to get health insurance. Sure, the union is giving us a discounted rate on COBRA. We still don't really know what those COBRA benefits look like. No. And you're also assuming that people have made 13000 through March, which I, I, I know to, to some, it doesn't sound like a lot. To many, it is. And, and, and it's, it's alarming and it's really upsetting and where we're trying to do all we can to, to try to change this decision. And it feels like, it also feels like it's a, it's a very, it parallels to me with what's happening in our economy from a political standpoint, where it's like, well, let's get rid of those who aren't really essential to the economy mm. let's get rid of the poor let's get rid of those who you know aren't really making that much money aren't really contributing much and it feels like in our union you're going to get rid of a lot of people who maybe they don't make as much money as the denzels the charlie Stams of, of 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 the industry but but they still play a role we still need them but we're getting ready to just disregard them and say well so sad so sorry you know you can't meet this threshold but 
good luck in another career. Good luck doing something else. Okay, uh, that's pretty terrible. What do you think, I mean, it's hard to figure this out, but what do you think their motivation is for doing this? Ultimately to save a buck and not save a life. <laughs> right, right. That's really, that's the basis of it. They're talking about, again, that the health plan, for whatever reason, based on the contributions, uh, is running a deficit. And that absolutely should be addressed. There are top earners, there are marquee players in this industry that are fortunate enough mm -hmm. uh, that, that make tens of millions of dollars a year. If we could raise the cap on them or raise the contribution level on productions to help the, the blue collar actors below, I, I think a lot of people would pass that unanimously and with a, with a huge thumbs up yes vote. Mm -hmm. um, they, they, the union did tell us about uh, depleting our reserves of which there apparently is enough to last four years. I don't know enough about why they couldn't dip a little bit deeper into the reserves to at least float us through this year. Let's get through this pandemic and see where we're at in 2021. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's upsetting. What has this done for you guys? I mean, both of you um, are in different places than when you met. You know, you have people who you're responsible for now. Um, neither of you were married when you met. You're married now. RJ, you have children. Michael, you have one on the way. Um, has this galvanized you in a way where it sort of activated the activist in you? Oh, for sure. I mean, put it to you this way. Um, I have a very uh, strong activist spirit anyways. Uh, whenever I feel like someone is being attacked or bullied, uh, I feel like I have to make my presence known. Um, sidebar, Michael could tell you the story of how I defended him in a chicken suit because someone was being disrespectful to him. Uh, so I just have that natural instinct. I also would say being a person of color in America, I've always had to stand up for myself in, in a very unique manner just because of stereotypes, you know, um, uh, uh, institutionalized racism that I have experienced, even as a successful person of color. Mm -hmm. I think Chris Rock says it the best. He says, I know guys, I know white guys who don't want to be me and I'm rich. And, you know, and it's like, I, I understand that. Yeah, you know, having money doesn't really mean a lot just if, if you're, again, a person of color. So. The activism inside of me, I just would address has taken another level because while it's still an, uh, uh, still a fight I have to fight every day being a person of color, I feel like more and more to my current activism is really just about humanity more mm -hmm. than anything. You know, there's still, again, there's still the things I have to get through being a black man, but right now there's just a bigger threat on our humanity as human beings from, from again, politics to, to our careers to, you know, uh, yeah, Michael and I have wives, you know, so the choices that we make don't just affect us, it affects them as well. So, you know, him and I, we've had conversations about, you know, possibly joining other unions. Mm -hmm. um, we've had conversations about how we need to get our content out there as creative people, but we've also had conversations of maybe it's our turn to be on the board <laughs> so we can get in there and actually make some vital decisions that can help someone who's coming up under us, you know, that can help that, that new 20 year old actor who's just came here from Connecticut and wants to try to make it in show business. That's the thing. RJ and I were talking about this the other night that unfortunately I think that we've trusted people that we as a union vote for to represent us with these big decisions. And we've now learned the hard way that we need to be more involved. And RJ and I are talking about running for local board positions this time next year where, where, where the new elections are up, getting more involved and speaking for the voiceless, of which apparently there are tens of thousands of them in, within our union. Also, this kind of move by a union with 145,000 members, it, it's such a strong union. 
uh, you're, you're telling young actors coming out of NYU Tisch or USC film school, mm. you're, you're, you're not incentivizing them now to join the union. You know, union comes with benefits. There's pension, there's health insurance, there, there's over, there, there's oversight. And, and, and again, there are great, great perks and benefits to being a part of this union. But when you start taking the big ones like health insurance away, and now you have a lot of people concerned about the status and, and state and the, the health of our pension, mm. you're going to tell younger actors there's not really an incentive now to join unions where you're going to be paying a, a larger um, you know, fee, uh, a, a membership uh, union dues uh, on a yearly basis. So we're, we're going to try to do all we can to obviously help uh, with, with uh, the, the potential loss for so many with their health insurance and, and a whole host of other issues and, and try to get more heavily involved. What are you hearing from your fellow actors? They're, they're terrified. I mean, yeah. people are, I mean, people are, look at, you know, just being here in New York, you see the ripple effect, unfortunately, of, of this, this horrible pandemic. You look at Broadway you know, Broadway actors in the background that maybe aren't fortunate enough to take a curtain call at the end of the show, they, they make very little. I think people would think that they would make tens of thousands. They, they don't. They make several hundred dollars a, a, a show. They're doing eight shows a week. That's pre-tax, pre-agent manager fees. A lot of those people have part-time jobs, waitressing, bartending. The majority of restaurants are, are still closed. Some have limited service. Now they're talking about potentially not having indoor service here in New York in, in the fall. Uh, Broadway has said they won't be coming back until spring of 2021. It's affecting everybody in this, in this business. Um, and, and it's made a lot of people uh, re-examine maybe their long-term career paths. And it's scary and it's sad and upsetting because this is for us, RJ and I, we, we've heard this calling and we've taken we, we've we've listened to that call and, and we've charged and, and we've jumped in the, the pool with 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 both feet and just we've committed to this path mm. and this is what we do we're actors we're entertainers we're branching off into writing for it to be on hold indefinitely it's 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 scary and and it's affecting everybody has there been rj for you a, a moment of your mike you're talking about re-examination of of career on those dark nights of the soul, have you ever thought, I should go to law school? I should do, or have you always said, I'm not gonna deviate from the path? Um, I would say it's a combo of both. Clearly I haven't deviated from the path because I haven't quit. Right. Um, so I would say uh, there's a large part of my brain that says, stick with it, keep going, you'll get through it. Um, obviously, I've had more no's in my career than I have yeses. Um, and while the yeses are sweet, you know, I, I can't begin to tell you the amount of no's I've had. And uh, rejection is a serious thing. I mean, on your mental state. And, and so I think that's where Michael and I have become very strong individuals is that we can take rejection like with a grain of salt. That's not easy for a lot of people. I mean, right. most people, they receive five, you, you receive five back-to-back -back rejections. Most people just say, I'm done. I, I, imagine receiving months of rejection <laughs> just to find out you got a final yes in the month of September. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, great. <laughs> Someone's giving me a job. Woo! <laughs> Late months of no's were, they were tough, but I, but I stuck with it. I would, I would, I would say why, why there's a combo. There are moments when you go, you know, what, what would have happened if I had gone to college or if I had pursued my interest in architecture? And the way I look at it, as, the way I look at it in my brain, there are things I've, I've, I'm still interested in, like very much so interested in music. Um, I, I, I love architecture. Um, uh, there are things I, I have a connection to, but this is my career. I chose art to be my career. And I'm a true believer in if you have a plan B, eventually that plan B will become your plan A. But in this scenario of what we're talking about with our current, with the state of our current union, if my plan B becomes my plan A, that's because plan A looks like crap. <laughs> so now the plan B does need to shift into the plan A 
category because it's looking sweeter. Um, but again, that's someone forcing me. That, that's being forced upon me because while I had other interests, my goal was to always, A, be an actor with other attributes and constituents within that I could, you know, tackle like, hey, I'm an actor, but you know, sometimes, you know, I juggle on the weekend and I have a little, you know, session in my backyard and I, I juggle for $5 a, a juggle. I don't know, you know, things that you, where, where a, a director friend of mine said this years, to me years ago, he said, the main thing is to make sure that the main thing stays the main thing. Mm. As long as that occurs, you can fund all the other things you want to do. And that's been my life. I, I, I can fund my, my music studio time because acting is my main thing. Well, now it's being forced upon me that acting might not, might not any longer be able to be my main thing. Yeah, and also I think a lot of people don't understand at home that if I apply for a job at a university and they turn me down, um, I never think about it again. I mean, I don't take it personally, but so many times I've talked to Michael and it's like, he'll, he'll audition and then they'll say to him, we, you didn't have the look we wanted. We, we went with someone who, had, who was closer to what we were after. That feels so much more personal than uh, you know, a hiring committee saying, we're gonna move forward with another professorial candidate or radio candidate. It, the nose and acting feel more personal to me because they're based on how you look and they're based on how you sound and they're our, based our, and to that point i mean that's the thing our entire job and if if people in our industry admit it or don't want to admit it about the neuroses within because our entire job is to go into a room of absolute strangers right and convince them to like you and when they say no you go, well, what can I do to make you like me? I, I, I promise I, I can do it. I just derobed for you. <laughs> right. I just bared my soul. Okay, you didn't like that. I can do it this way. And then what really adds another, what, what, so when they keep just saying no, you're going, oh, then it's got to be me. And then what really, the, the icing on this unedible cake is when you turn on the television and you see who got the role. Yeah. And you go, oh, I did it so much better, or so I thought. And if they went with them, why did they even think to bring me in and, and lead right. me down this path of, oh, uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. And, and I've always said to that point, and I still believe this, uh, you can sometimes be more brilliant than the people who are, are technically higher up on the call sheet. So if you're going in for a role that's number 10, but if you give such a dynamic performance that it's gonna outshine uh, 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 the person who's number one and two on the call sheet, that's an issue. Uh, you know, mm. I, I just, you know, kind of touching it a little bit. There were cast members that had a, a huge problem when Jalil White, AKA Steve Urkel, came to Family Matters. Cause that was just a guest star role that turned into a recurring, that turned into a series regular that ultimately you could have called this, might as well just call the show Steve Urkel. Yeah. Cause no one really gave a lot of attention to the family the way they did in the beginning, right? So that's gonna make some people feel a certain way. And a lot of times to not even let that be the case, Michael can go in, kill it. But if they know his performance is gonna outshine who's higher up on the call sheet, they're not gonna take that chance. Because again, this is an industry full of sensitive people, very sensitive people. I might be one of them, but I just know that this industry is full of sensitivity. You have to be careful what you say and you have to also be careful how brilliant you are. To me, brilliance is just, it, it is tied into passion. Right. Uh, when you watch, Michael Jordan be brilliant. It's because he was passionate about the game. <laughs> you weren't going to outbeat him in passion. Thus, he was brilliant. But if you want, you're asking me to tame my brilliance or tame my passion, well, then yeah, this, this role is probably not going to be for me. And I think that's, you know, Michael, I can say to, to Rob and, 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 and John, that was one thing that was great is they didn't want anybody to tame their brilliance. They didn't want us to come in haphazardly they they were like give us we want 
people who are great, even to the point where we had moments where, remember, we were freestyling lines at times. That's not an easy thing to do if when they say, hey, here's your five lines, but go ahead and just, you know, ad lib some stuff. Feel free to do that. That's hard for a lot of thespians. Mm -hmm. They need you to tell, they need to know what the line is from beginning to end. Otherwise, they fall apart. I've seen it. I've seen it. We're like, oh, can you read? No, okay, no, that's not the issue. Well, what is the problem? Oh, you just don't really want to be here. Oh, okay. And they're just not connected to the moment, the material. I'm like, yeah, I kind of, I, I pretty much live and breathe this. So, yeah. Um, but again, that person who doesn't necessarily take it as seriously as I do, that's the person that they're going to give that, you know, sitcom to for six seasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who gets to be on uh, extra or e, e, e entertainment talking about you know their their new condo they just bought over in uh in Australia or something like that? While I'm over here like man, you know, can't wait to get an audition. You know that's just. But when you're passionate about something, you stick with it. So yes, even though those thoughts might cross your mind of sure what, what life would have been like if I went to law school, you say yeah I could have maybe been successful but what i have been fulfilled and i think that's why michael and i still do this is because acting the industry it is still fulfilling there's just a lot of you know disappointments unfortunately yeah and it's tough because like michael what you were saying about they say oh we don't like the way you did it you say well, let me let me do it another way for you if you were picking up uh somebody at a bar and you try your line and it doesn't work you don't say to them that didn't work let me try it another way <laughs> right? You have your right. one shot and you leave. And right. so the no's that you guys hear are worse than being rejected that way because you're trying it different ways. You have developed a very thick skin where no doesn't hurt maybe the way that it used to. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, like I remember one time when I was in college, I, I tried to get a girl to go out and she, she said no. And then I saw her with the guy that she eventually went out with and I went, Oh, she made she made a good choice. That guy, I get it, I understand. But you don't ever turn on the TV and go, "That's a role I tried out for." They clearly made the wise decision, right? You only never time, think that. Only time I do that is if it's a different ethnicity. Mm. I, I can only be black. So yeah. if I if I turn on the TV and they went Asian, I go, "Well, there's nothing I can do about that." <laughs> right, right. They just went a complete different direction. Right, and cool. That's fine. To, to but, that point, though, what's interesting is that it, it definitely does soften the blow mm -hmm. that happened to me recently. And I saw who they cast and I go, oh, well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but as, as an actor, we are so devoted to our career and we don't half-ass anything. When you get 10 pages of material, RJ and I are going to work that till it's, it can't be worked again. I mean, we, we, eat, sleep, and breathe that material. We memorize it front and back. We know your lines, my line, the stage direction. So when you see who they ultimately went with, you go, well, then why did you ever even think to bring me in? That's what, that, that's the last kind yeah. of, you sure. know, a, a frustration at the end. Um, but then, yeah, we had to let it go. A, a really a, a phenomenal uh, character actor, a, a dear friend of mine, uh, Matt Malloy, told me years ago, I, I said, do you, do you get feedback after? Because I love feedback. If I didn't get it, why didn't I get it? Can I work on it? He goes, well, if it's anything short of you booked it, it's bullshit. Mm. He goes, just <laughs> leave it in the room. Just leave it in the room. You did it. And you. And I go, yeah, that's, that's a very healthy way to look at it. You referred to you guys as being young veterans. And you are and so and you and you guys have gotten pretty steely over the years and i and i hate for your hearts to get hard because you because you kind of have to as you get older mm -hmm. um to protect yourselves you're talking about health insurance you're talking about pension you're talking about protecting yourselves for your dotage right for your family mm -hmm. um and this idea that you get it's forced you guys to almost like grow up in a way that you might not have had you not had to sort of confront this and you right these are issues you would think about maybe in 10 or 15 years now you're you're seeing them now as, as a younger person um has it also made you feel a little more empowered it's affected my sleep 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm aging faster because of it. Uh, I, I don't want to say that it, it isn't empowering. Well, I'll say yes, ultimately. You know, I worked with an artist recently, a, a music artist, and one of his lines, he's a rapper, one of his lines is he says, um, I don't make mistakes, I only make decisions. And it's such a powerful line to me because that's the only way we grow, right? Is you make choices. And sometimes your choices work, sometimes they don't, you know? And so you say, okay, if that choice was, a, was not a, a great choice, I'm not gonna make that decision again. I'm, I'm gonna choose something differently. So the position we've been in forcibly uh, ultimately, I, I will say it empowers you because it, it, it makes you wiser. Uh, I think the position where you have to take the responsibility is, and Michael and I have already addressed this, is how do you then pass this lesson on to your kids, to, to future thespians? How do you pass this wisdom on and how can you potentially make it better for them? That's really where the true responsibility and I guess the, the effect of the empowerment uh, shows its true colors is what do you do with this material? Mm. Because this is an experience. This is something 20 years from now. Am I just going to say, yeah, I remember when we got kicked out of SAG and, you know, well, I just kind of just sat like a bump on the log and didn't really do anything. Well, you know, that's not very honorable. So it, I don't think the situation empowered you. If anything, it destroyed you. But if you can come out of it and say, hey, hey, you know, that was a tough time, but here's how we came out of it. Here's how we made some decisions. Here's how I joined the board or here's how I, I joined this particular activism towards, you know, uh, reversing those decisions, like uh, signing a petition. Like if you can show that you played your role, then I think there is a certain level of empowerment that you receive. Um, but it's how you use, once again, the experience. Right. Is there anything people can do at home to support you guys? Is there anything that they can... Oh, um, go watch you can... all our shows that we've been on. Like, go Google everything we've been on. Go watch it again. That increases residuals. I mean, and, and that's, that's a more snarky response. But it's like, that's where we are in this industry where while there's less work, uh, I mean, content is at its highest point right now. I mean, people are watching shows from 15, 20 years ago, right? Right. So if all this content is being watched, well, there should be a residual factor. And Michael knows this. They're still trying to affect our residuals. Where I'm like, I know things I was on 10 years ago are running like crazy now simply because I get phone calls. Oh, RJ, I just saw you on Burning Mac. Oh, RJ, I just saw you in NYPD Blue. I'm like, okay, great. I hope that adds up in residuals, you know, keep watching. But they've, they've changed so much in the residual game where it's like there are these new claws where they can show something 20 million times before you see a dime. Yeah. So you're like, it, it, it seems so uh, juvenile to say that likes go such a long way, but likes and followers do make a difference. And I think if, if a studio or if a casting director says, oh, wow, look at the presence that RJ has online and look at that, that they, they have this many followers and this person retweeted them, that does, that does go a long way. Fortunately or unfortunately, I'll, 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 the jury's still out on that. But for right now, what, how they can help to RJ's point, yeah, absolutely. Support your local artists in any way, shape, or form. I mean, you know, I I I pray that that we all get through this pandemic, uh, and, and that 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 we come out of it better, stronger, and that there is such a demand for art that people go out in droves to their movie houses and to the to the Broadway shows and to the little black box theaters and really support local artists because. We're going to need it more than ever. But I think right now, if you go on change.org, sign the petition, search for sag after, mm -hmm. sign the petition, because the union bigwigs need to hear a, a, a large collective voice that, that, that's resisting this uh, drastic decision. Um, and hopefully we, we can get some change out of them. And we need our A-list actors, too, to come out of the woodworks. Um, we need them to step up and let their voices be heard, because this is their union as well. 
Yeah. Um, and so every voice counts, you know, all the voices that are coming to uh, Ellen DeGeneres is coming to her aid, Ellen's aid right now. We need some of those same voices to come to our aid and say, hey, you're not going to disrespect my union and my fellow actors like that. Is there a, a social media or Twitter handle that you guys can say that people people can follow you? Oh, I, I, I'm very minimal on there. So uh, I, the bar is set the bar low, but I'm, I'm just on Instagram at Michael Charles Roman. Uh, I, I, I keep it pithy, but uh, you know, don't, don't go in there with huge expectations <laughs> for uh, incredible material. Well, if you, if you love cute puppies, Oh, gonna, well, that's true. Right? There you go. That's very true. You got the guy Marty over there. That's right. Uh, I, mine is RJ underscore Smith, A-R-J-A-Y underscore Smith for both Instagram and Twitter. Um, and yeah. Uh, and, and check out RJ's music. RJ, please, come on. Oh, yeah. I, got, I, yeah. Got to, I, I do the music thing. I actually have a song coming out um, Monday, uh, August 24th. Um, it's this, the song is primarily a dedication, um, in spirit. It's a dedication to my wife's brother that passed a couple years ago. And it's, uh, the song's titled day by day, but we created a call to action lyric video, uh, that we just sent over to Stacey Abrams people. Um, and in the video, it's basically just kind of highlighting her fair fight, uh, organization. Um, which is basically getting people out there to know their rights, go vote. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I make conscious music, conscious hip hop, if you want to say, uh, as a producer. So yeah, get ready for that day by day. Uh, the artist's name is Slim The Reason. Uh, it's gonna be great, I'm excited. Well, I think you understand. The, uh, the plight of an actor is, uh, is its own thing. And uh, when you start messing with an actor's benefits and their pension, uh, that's a whole other thing. And it's not a very cool thing to do. My thanks to R.J. Smith and Michael Charles Roman for their time. Uh, I hope you uh, got a lot out of that. I sure did. I enjoyed it. And, uh, and I learned. And, uh, you know, it's a commitment to be an artist of any kind. And it's very difficult to protect yourselves. So you have to make sure that you're aware. And I think those guys are very aware. I don't know if you were aware, but Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you're comfortable with. Go to the one where you get all your podcast uh, needs filled and uh, subscribe to ours. Leave us a rating, um, you know, maybe a little note of some kind, and uh, tell all your friends. It sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? But it's not. It's the push of a button and, uh, and maybe a text message to your pal. That's not so hard to do, and we'd very much appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ember's Editor. You can follow me on Instagram, at Ember's Podcast, or you can email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Who do you want on the show? Who do you want me to bring back on the show? These are the questions we wonder about here, and only you can answer them. Let's close the show with the song that RJ was talking about, brand new. This is Day by Day. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next time. Thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast, only right here on Bombshell Radio. If you don't want no problems, ain't gonna be none. Good times are stuck on a rerun. Forget your problems and take it day by day. And that's important for all of us. Happiness is not something you can just find every day. It takes work. It takes commitment. It takes time. Just trying to remain patient, you know, and take it day by day. You gotta slow it down And it won't last, so don't blow it down At the end of the day You gotta take it, gotta take it See, life moves fast You gotta slow it down And it 
won't last, so don't blow it now. At the end of the day, you gotta take it. Gotta take it. Step at a time until the finish line They call it the present because the gift is time Keep your eyes on the road so you don't miss the signs You ain't useful and neutral, you gotta shift the drive The only language of the universe is energy Balance is harmony, depth, serenity, symmetry So everything is aligning right where it needs to be I just follow the stars home like TMZ My frequency is attuned to channel ancient wisdom I ain't making mistakes, I only make decisions Life could change overnight, depends if you believe only a day separates the winter from the spring A couple of homies that seen a couple bodies Then asked me if God can forgive the ungodly I told them that every soldier was born to slay But you still gotta pray the pain away every day Life moves fast, you gotta slow it down And it won't last, so don't blow it down At the end of the day, they gotta take it down Fast, you gotta slow it down And it won't last, so don't blow it down At the end of the day, they gotta take it 440 minutes at a time We get to live it, but it was all written by design Every second is precious, so don't let it go to waste Learn a lesson from Nipsey, gotta hustle, motivate You with controlling your fate and everything around you Your perception determines something's intrinsic value So the conscious observer can see the temporal As infinity broken down to the minimal Cause the soul is eternal when life is everlasting I'm living how I feel after a month of fasting And that's the real phenomenon of Ramadan Attuning to the prophet like Khalil Gibran Peace be upon him and also peace upon you And what you repeat is speech Cause what you speak will come true uh, Commentating the game of life like play by play Along the way, take it day by day See life moves fast, you gotta slow it down And it won't last, so don't blow it down At the end of the day, they gotta take it down.